God gave us the gift of life, it is up to us to give ourselves the gift of living well. By Voltaire Always remember, it is the quality of your life that matters, not the quantity. The quality of your life depends on you, on your thoughts, on your choices, your decisions and your actions. Hello and welcome with love and gratitude to this very special episode with a very special guest to talk about a very important topic which is really necessary to address because as soon as we hear the word midlife, an unnecessary worry starts to kick in. A worry of slowing down, aging, a time of regret, a time of self-reflection and what not. However, if we change our perspective to see life over 40 as a new chapter, as another beginning, then we definitely can gift ourselves of living our lives very well. To discuss more about it, we have a really amazing guest who will change your view completely of so-called midlife crisis and guide you towards self-transformation. How you can set and achieve various different goals and live your life in a more refined way. Lori Saits is the founder and CEO of Zen Rabbit, an award-winning writer, speaker and broadcaster. Lori is on a mission to teach the world to be calm and grounded no matter what's going on. As a nationally recognized gratitude and meditation expert, she guides entrepreneurs and corporate teams from stress and chaotic to peaceful and focused. Through a collaborative and interactive approach, she provides tools and techniques for increasing sales, enhancing relationships and improving overall health. So with all that being said, let us welcome her with all the love and light. Lori, welcome to Self Talk Show. First of all, a big thank you for choosing Self Talk Show as a medium to spread awareness and share your wisdom on the said topic. It was much needed. Secondly, I'm very honored to have you as guest speaker on my show. I'm sure our audience would love your vibe. So Lori, what's your story of transformation? How did you rediscover yourself? Great questions. I think anytime you're paying attention to what's going on around you, you're going to start to notice that maybe things aren't exactly the way you'd like them to be. For me, it kind of started with... Um, I shut down my first business. I ran my first business for 11 years and couldn't quite scale it the way I wanted to. So I decided I was going to shut it down and move on to whatever my next adventure was going to be. And at about that same time, my mom was diagnosed with an acute form of leukemia and passed away just six weeks later. So both of, going through both of those things at the same time kind of forced me to take a look at my life and ask myself the question, you know, do I want to live the next 20 years the same way I lived the last 20? And not that the last 20 had been terrible. They were fine. Just did I want to continue living that fine life or would I like to find something better, something more fantastic or fabulous or whatever word you want to use? And that's when I really started reevaluating the direction I wanted to take my life. And so that was really the start of my transformation. Then over the next four years after that, I was really looking at, you know, I'd been in a marriage for more than 20 years. And did I want to stay married to this person? And I decided I did not and uh, made the move to separate after 
So yeah, we've been married for almost 20 years, but together for almost 30. So with this person for most of my adult life. And um, yeah, we kind of just got to a point where it was like, all right, we're in this relationship. It's fine. There's nothing terrible. We don't hate each other, but we really don't have anything else to say to each other anymore. And it's not really serving either one of us to stay here. We're not, neither one of us is able to grow in this relationship and it just wasn't fair to either one of us. So I made the move to initiate it and moved out and moved across the country for a year and then ended up moving back across the country, back to, um, to where I left and where I am now. And, uh, yeah, there, so that's, I, I think it's a matter of paying attention and then finding the courage to take the actions that you need to take if you are not absolutely overjoyed happy. Now, I get it. You're not going to be overjoyed happy every single day because life is, a, you know, a series of, of different emotions up and down. But if you are not finding yourself feeling joyful most of the time, that's when it's really time to look into, okay, is this, is this life that I've created working for me or is there something better out there waiting for me? Are there any moments when your old self tries to take over you? Yeah, I think, you know, we've been conditioned from an early age to be how we are. And so it's not just one day you decide to be different and then auto all of a sudden you're different you it's a constant mm, i don't know if battle is the right word but it's a constant again paying attention to when you are sliding back into those old ways that are not serving you and the reason we do that is because they're familiar they're comfortable we might not like them but we're familiar with them so it's very easy to slide back in and again, if you're paying attention, then you recognize when you're doing that and you catch yourself and you go, oh, nope, that's the old me. And you get back on track to being, uh, to taking the direction that you prefer to take now and being conscious about it because so much of our lives are lived unconsciously. So when you're paying attention, you can consciously make changes to create a life that better serves what you say you want in your life. That is so true. How did Zen Rabbit come into existence? And what's the significance behind the name? Yeah, so I mentioned that first business that I couldn't quite scale the way I wanted to. That was Zen Rabbit Baking Company. I was making and marketing a product called the Gratitude Cookie at the time which was based on a family recipe, kind of a cross between a butter and a sugar cookie. And I was marketing it as a way for businesses to say thank you to their clients and to people who sent them referrals. And so the name Zen Rabbit goes back to when I was a baby, my mom bought me a stuffed rabbit, put it in the crib with all the other animals, plush animals, and quickly realized that she could take all the other animals out, but the rabbit had to be in the crib or I wasn't sleeping. And you know how kids have their, their things that they rub, whether it's a blankie or a, 
an animal or whatever it is that kind of brings them comfort. That's what my rabbit was for me. I would rub her ears and she would put me into this Zen meditative state. There's a picture on my website on zenrabbit.com and there's a picture of me with the rabbit in my hands. I'm two years old and you can see I'm kind of in this Zen blissful place rubbing her ears. And so when I was, when people would eat these cookies, it would kind of transform them back to this place where they were in the kitchen baking with grandma and they have all these great memories and it's kind of their Zen blissful place. So it made sense to call the company Zen Rabbit. And uh, then when I moved on from that company, I tried to start a business and I named it something different. But because from a marketing standpoint, which is also my background is marketing, nobody ever forgets the name Zen Rabbit. So when I tried to name my business something else, people would still remember me from Zen Rabbit. And so I took back the name Zen Rabbit and I dropped the baking company part. And so now we're on Zen Rabbit 2.0 or maybe even Zen Rabbit 3.0 at this point. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's a name that sticks with, um, sticks in people's minds because it's, it's so original and fun. That is such a beautiful story. Would you like to discuss your life mission of teaching the world to be calm and grounded despite of all the external and disturbing noises? Yeah, so I'm on this mission to teach the world to be calm and grounded no matter what's going on around them. This comes back to that idea that we need to get quiet enough to hear our own internal voice. That we have the answers inside us, but we are so conditioned to listen to all of the outside noise. The, you know, starting from with what our parents were teaching us, or our families were teaching us, or our teachers were teaching us back when we were kids, and they were doing their best to help us learn what we needed to learn to stay alive and to flourish. And so, you know, they did the best they could, but they were teaching what they had learned and maybe had never even questioned. And so now, and as we've grown up, we listen to friends and uh, now we've got social media and traditional media and all of these outside sources telling us what they want us to believe, what promotes their agenda, what is best for them. But that's not necessarily what's best for us as individuals. And so teaching the world to be calm and grounded is to so that you can come from this place of responding instead of reacting. When things are happening around you, and there were always the there will always be things happening around you. When things are happening around you, how are you responding? How are you rationally processing the information and then choosing to respond? Most people react emotionally. It's like something triggers them and like a, you know, that reptilian brain snaps into action and triggers them to react instead of actually thinking what would be my best response here. And so, the, again, the only way you can do that is when you are, when you know who you are internally, when you know what is in your best interest and you just stop for a second and go, okay, what's happening here? Okay, how do I want to respond? Instead of getting caught up in all of the drama of it, most people 
You look around and most people love getting caught up in the drama. They say they don't, but if they really didn't like it, they wouldn't do it. And so again, it comes back to that's what's familiar and comfortable and that's what most people respond or rely on. And so if you can get yourself to this place of being calm and grounded, you get to choose how you want to respond and you get to choose how how things happen around you. How can an individual switch to a state of calmness regardless of what's going on in the outer world? Yeah, so it's it's again, it's a matter of choice. Okay, I see what's happening around me. How do I choose to respond to this? What would I like to happen ultimately? So any situation, someone cuts you off in traffic. Well, what would I like to happen here? Do I want to get into an accident? Do I want to like flip off the other driver and and be angry for the rest of the afternoon? Or do I want to just let it go and go, all right, well, maybe that person's having a bad day. Give them the benefit of the doubt. And I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to stay calm and I'm going to get on with the rest of my day and not think about this any, any longer because it's just not worth it. It's a moment in time, something happened, and I'm just going to choose to let it go. So it's a, it's a choice in every situation. How, do I, would, how would I like to respond? How would my highest self respond? And most likely that's going to be a response of coming from a place of love instead of a place of anger or resentment or hatred. Ask yourself, how would my highest, the highest version of myself respond to this situation? And typically that's going to be from a state of calm. Completely agree. It depends on how we react to a particular situation or people. Do you feel people turning 40 or are over 40 are calmer than the people younger their age? I don't think that calmness is necessarily an age-related thing because people who are over 40 have been conditioned for all of those years. And so someone can reach 40 or 50 or 80 and never question how they're responding or reacting to situations. They just fall into the same old patterns. And so I don't think it's an age-related thing. I think it's something that is a conscious choice that you make to change. If you don't like how you're responding to situations, if you don't like the the way that your life is is going, and that is all based on how you've responded to circumstances around you, then you have to consciously make the decision to choose differently. So, you know, people who are over 40 may have a different perspective because they've lived more life. And so they may have made more mistakes or had more experiences, let's say, than people who are younger. And maybe those choices that they've made, those experiences that, that, that they've had, have led them to see that they want something different. But at the same time, there are plenty of younger people that I've had many conversations with who are really wise because they're looking at the people who are over 40 or over 50 and learning from their observation of what how those people are functioning in life and going, yeah, I don't want that. I'm choosing differently 
now at a younger age. So I don't think it's a, an age-related thing necessarily. Right. What is your perspective on the midlife crisis? Is it really a crisis or mere stress? Why does this word midlife bother people? Did it bother you as well? I am so not a fan of the term midlife crisis. First of all, it is not a crisis. That's been mislabeled forever. I think it's a time of reevaluation. Uh, it's just, you reach, again, you reach that point and you're like, okay, I've lived all of these years. I, for a lot of people, they've done the, all the things that they were quote unquote supposed to do. You know, they've been the, the good girl or the good boy and they've gone to school and they followed all the rules and they've done all the things and they're not where they'd like to be in life or they are where they were expected to be in terms of success. Again, how you define success. They have all the material things. They have all the things that were laid out for them as far as how life was supposed to go, but they're still not happy or they're not, they don't feel joy in their life. They feel like something's missing. And that is their soul crying out for growth. And again, that comes back to, so now's a time to reevaluate what's happening in your life. And so, you know, you reach this point in midlife. And again, I'm not a big fan of the term midlife because I just feel like it makes, it sounds old to me. It sounds old. I don't like it. Um, and, you know, who really knows what, when midlife is? People, um, that's another, another thing, you know, some people live, obviously people live longer than other people, but we just don't know when midlife is. Um, but yeah, it just kind of sounds old and limiting. So I'm not a fan of the term midlife or crisis, midlife crisis, either one. We should get rid of both of those. Um, but, but so you reach this point when you're in your forties and your fifties and you're looking around and for a lot of people who have children, those children are now growing up and moving out and they don't need you in the same way they, they used to. And parents are passing away and maybe you've been in a career for 20 years and you're looking at it going, all right, it's, it's served me or it hasn't served me, whichever, but do I want to continue down this path or do I want to make a change? And now's the time to do it because again, we're not getting any younger. Nobody knows how much life you have left. You're looking at a partner that you've been with for a million years and going, I don't know, do I even like you anymore? Are we still growing together or are we just existing as roommates? And is there something better for me out there? And all of these questions come up during this time. And I think it really serves people to sit and think about or, you know, reach out to people who can help them, counselors, coaches, uh, you know, whomever you need to, to, to help you work through this and figure out, okay, what do I want in my life now? What do I want moving forward now? Because we grow as humans. That's expected. If you're not growing, you're dying. So as you grow, you're going to want different things in your life. And, uh, and I think to point out, it really makes a difference if this is something you're struggling with to find somebody, a professional to help you, whether, like I said, that's a counselor or a therapist or, a, um, 
some kind of professional, a coach, more than just your friends. I mean, thank God for my friends. I don't know how I would have survived my life to this point without them. But a lot of times your friends have, they want to see you do well, but when you start questioning things, it brings up questions in their mind too about their own life. And most of the time our friends want us to stay the same because they don't want to have to change. So they don't want us to change because that means our relationship with them will change. And it's difficult. It's a difficult, interesting dynamic when you are trying to change, but you're only relying on friends to help you do that because everybody has their ulterior motives, whether they are intentionally, you know, whether they're intentional about those ulterior motives or not. A lot of times they don't even realize they have them. It's just, uh, you know, somebody's trying to leave the tribe. Somebody's trying to change and that threatens everybody else. Uh, so a lot of times that's, you know, working through these things with just a friend is not the, the most efficient way to go about it. So it basically depends on how we perceive it. I think this whole terminology, midlife crisis, is truly overwhelming and we ourselves are inviting stress because of that. Unfortunately, my next two questions uses the same term, so please bear with me. Can midlife crisis be considered a mental health issue? And which gender has more midlife crisis? Again, the whole term of midlife crisis, I don't believe it's a mental health issue. Although I guess it de depends how you define mental health. I think it's a, a time to of reevaluation of every aspect of health because you can get away with a lot of stuff up to a point. You can get away with not eating healthy. You can get away with not working out. You can get away with not taking care of yourself in any, you know, physical, mental, psychological, emotional aspects to a certain point. And then it becomes like holding a beach ball underwater. You can only hold it under there for so long before it pops up and hits you in the face. So whether that comes up as a mental health issue or a physical health issue, I think a lot of issues, health issues, start showing up in the 40s and 50s because you've held them underwater for so long. And now is time for the reckoning, you know? So, uh, yeah, so I think that this time in life is when you really things start showing up that you can't ignore any longer. As far as gender, which gender has more, I think it's, I really think it's equal. I, I haven't seen it be one gender or another more uh, really. I, you know, maybe I find both, both genders struggle with this. I've had, again, many conversations with clients and with friends and with people I've met through networking and I think it's across the board and if it if you are seeing it as one gender or, or another maybe it's just um, you know those you've been around those people who've been more open and willing to talk about it but uh, my experience in the po hosting my podcast fine is a four-letter word I've seen it um, I've really seen the stories coming from both genders. How can an individual overcome the fear or worry of midlife crisis? Does practicing mindfulness also help in this regard? Absolutely. 
practicing mindfulness or practicing however you want to define mindfulness, um, you know, practicing following practices that again, help you get in touch with your own inner voice are going to help you overcome fear or worry. Because when you are calm and grounded, you, you're not fearful or worrying. You are in control of your thoughts. Your thoughts, you've heard this before, I'm sure. Your thoughts control your actions and your actions control your outcomes. So when you can control your thoughts, when you can come from a place of calm and groundedness, then you're not allowing fear and worry to overtake your mind and drive your actions. When you can find gratitude, for example, in every situation, you can come from a, a different, you're starting out from a different place. So let me back up for a second and say, first of all, emotions are emotions and we should feel all of the emotions. So I'm not saying don't feel fear. Don't feel sad. Don't feel angry. If you are feeling those things, feel those things. Because again, it's like holding that beach ball underwater. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not saying don't feel emotions. Again, you're human. You have emotions. It's part of being human. So feel them and work through them. So there's a difference between feeling them, recognizing, feeling them, and burying them and pretending they don't exist. It's, you probably heard that, that phrase that what you resist persists. So it's not a matter of resisting these negative feelings. It's a matter of feeling them and moving through them. And the faster you can move through them, the quicker you get to the other side where you can feel more joy, more gratitude, more love, more compassion, more happiness. So, um, yeah, so it's a matter of getting through to those other that other side and when you can get in touch with your own inner voice and hear what it's saying to you of oh i'm afraid because um you know whatever reasons come up for you then you can address them that's the thing i think fear fear and worry weigh people down because they don't want to stop and examine why am i feeling this why am i worried why am i feeling scared they just want to get rid of the emotion. And so a lot of people I see, you see this happening a lot. Um, people bury them in, uh, in drinking or eating or watching, you know, scrolling online, um, binging on all the shows. And, you know, again, nothing wrong with some binge watching, but when it's used as an escape from your emotions, that's when it gets dangerous. So, um, but people will do uh, any number of things to avoid feeling, to avoid getting in touch with that, their own inner voice, because they're afraid of what that inner voice is gonna tell them. What if it tells them that they need to leave an, a relationship that isn't serving them anymore? What if it tells them to leave a job they've been at forever? Like, what is that inner voice going to tell you? And people get scared of what that inner voice is going to say. But trust, that inner voice is always speaking to you from your place of highest good. Even when it's scary, and that's the thing too, is um, even when things are scary, that doesn't mean they're impossible. 
it means they're scary. Like, okay. So it's just, it's, it's scary. You overcome it with courage. And again, this is where working with, um, working with professionals to help you move through these things is really beneficial. Would you please suggest some ways to practice mindfulness? Again, there are so many myths and misconceptions around what mindfulness is. And I teach people how to meditate to get in touch with that own, their own inner voice. And there are many ways to get in touch with your inner voice, journaling, coloring. Um, but there's, like I said, I use meditation. Um, but then the coming back to the whole idea of what is meditation and all of the the myths and misconceptions around what it really is in terms of you know some people think it's it means sitting cross-legged on a mat for hours at a time in complete silence and that certainly is a form of meditation but it's not the only one and you know meditation could be going out for a run and without your electronics so here's the thing anything that helps you get in touch with your own inner voice, whether it's gardening or baking or um, walking in nature. Again, doing all of these things without electronics to distract you so that you really can get in touch with that inner voice. Those are all great ways to practice mindfulness. Even just sitting for five minutes and breathing. We as humans, yes, we breathe all the time because that's how we stay alive, right? But but really focusing on your breathing and breathing in deeply all the way down to your abdomen. Breathing in, breathing in, breathing in. And then letting it go. And doing that for 60 seconds, two minutes, five minutes. Just stopping, calming your whole nervous system, filling your whole body and your blood with oxygen. That is a great way to become mindful and just pay attention to your breathing. You can do it whether you're in a meeting where you feel yourself getting getting worked up because maybe a meeting isn't going the way you want to want it to. Um, anytime, you don't have to be alone to just practice some deep breathing exercises. You can do it when you're alone, certainly, but you can also do it when you're in the midst of something that is upsetting you and you will help ground you and calm you right in that very moment. That's very enlightening, Lori. Would you like to share some tips or tools for people who are entering 40 or over 40 that would help them guide towards their self-transformation? Perhaps any meditation that you would like to suggest? One of my favorite apps for meditation is called Insight Timer. It's a app you can download for free. There are hundreds of thousands of meditations on there that are, um, you can sort them by how much time you have, whether you're looking for something to help you fall asleep or something with, for anxiety or something for building your immune system, tons of different topics. And some have music behind them. Some are guided. Some are only music, uh, all kinds of of different ways you can sort through these meditations and find the ones that work for you. So I highly recommend Insight Timer as a great app. Um, my, I have created many, more than 50 meditations that you can find on my 
podcast. Fine is a four-letter word. They're in there as bonus episodes. And you can search on the term meditation there and find a whole bunch of them. The, the gist of my gratitude meditation is that I create customized gratitude meditations. I have the one uh, free meditation at zenrabbit.com backslash gratitude dash meditation um, where you can download a free five-minute gratitude meditation. Then I also create customized gratitude meditations where I take people through feeling gratitude for things that have happened in the past that they're grateful for, things that they currently have in their life that they're grateful for, and then things that you are manifesting, goals that you are manifesting that you can feel grateful for now. So here's the key about gratitude is when you feel grateful for something as if it has already happened, you become a magnet for it. You magnetize that experience to come to you faster than if you are simply just visualizing it and imagining having it. If you can imagine having having it and feel gratitude for it at the same time as if it has already come into your life, that brings it to you much faster. And so that's one of the major benefits of practicing this this type of gratitude med- visualization meditation. Absolutely. Any message that you would like to leave our listeners with? I think you know, it's, it's that we have a choice of how we react or respond. Every choice you make in terms of how you would like to create a situation, I think it, it's, um, it's a great exercise to get into the practice of deciding how, every time, how do I want this situation to play out? And granted, you have no control over anybody else. You have only control over yourself. But asking yourself, how would I ultimately like this to play out? And then responding from that place. When you can stay calm and grounded, you make yourself an example of how other people can respond. It's, it's often difficult for other people to stay angry when you don't get drawn into their drama. When you stay calm and grounded, even when they're angry or upset or frustrated, they calm down because they see that you're not getting pulled into it. So that's, the, that's one of the messages I would leave your listeners with is you have control over how you respond to situations. So choose ahead of time. How would you like this to play out? And then take the actions in accordance with how you would like it to play out. And you'll be surprised at how often it does play out that way, the way that you predetermined for it to play out. Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. I really appreciate the opportunity to share this information. You, The best place to find me is at zenrabbit.com. And you can find out all of the information about the customized gratitude meditations, my podcast, Fine is a Four-Letter Word, all of my programs, um, how to reach me on social. There are links there. Everything is there at zenrabbit.com. That's a wonderful message, Lori. Thank you for your time. It was lovely having you on the show. 
You can reach out to Lori through her website. Find the link in the episode description. So with this, we come to an end of this episode. Hope you liked it and the feedback would definitely do wonders. I would really appreciate it if you can subscribe to Self Talk Show. More episodes and more awareness is coming your way. So stay tuned and keep self-talking. You can reach out to me for questions, queries or suggestions at www.selftalkshow.com or email me at showselftalk at gmail.com or email me at showselftalk at gmail.com or through social media pages on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Thank you again and see you with another episode.